Welcome back to Sightly's Breaking Through the Mayhem podcast, talking about marketing in a time of constantly shifting risk and opportunity. We're very, very lucky to welcome Scott Cunningham today. Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Adam, this is great. Um, so uh, a lot of people know me for, as, as the founder of the Ivy Tech Lab. Uh, and during those years, we also set up TAG, the Trustworthy Accountability Group. Um, prior to that, I've spent a number of years in news information at U.S. Center Day and uh, head of Media News Group Interactive. And these days, the last four or five years, uh, I've been independent, taking on a lot of different clients, measurement, but also causes, um, a lot of uh, sustainable journalism initiatives, uh, as, as you can imagine, the last couple of years with COVID. Interesting. And in terms of like one of the things I've been talking a lot about on this podcast is I don't think any one of us thought we were going to do this uh, when we first got into any of this. So how did you get started in this industry and, and what keeps you excited about it? So here's a great story. Uh, I launched the badgerherald.com uh, back in the 90s, one of the first newspapers when I was in college at Wisconsin. And the first banner ad was a really complicated sale. I needed a host for our website, and I gave the University Bookstore Unix administrator um, a free banner ad and a case of beer. And therefore, that Maddie was the Lights first back then, or what? It, it, no, it was Berghoff, Wisconsin's <laughs> finest, out of Monroe, Wisconsin. With some um, curd on it? Or, it no, uh, no, well, it was dark. It was a dark brew. Um, so, you know, those were complicated banner negotiations back in the day. But um, I've always kind of gravitated around news publishing for the first 15 years of my career, 12, 15 years. Um, I ended up in the ads world um, in part because uh, I had a lot of experience around publishing and advertising transactions, a lot of creative uh, solutions around advertising. Did I expect to make it a career around the supply chain of advertising? I did not. Uh, I did not. But here's the thing. I love complicated issues. I love solutions around complicated issues. And the supply chain for advertising is very complicated. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. If you were to give you know, the guests, a little bit of a knowledge around supply chain, what would be your, the most easily digestible human way of describing a supply chain? Um, I would say to describe the supply chain, the, the, the only word I come back to is, is complicated. The best way to think about how to navigate it is know your partners. Um, I can't stress enough how many times I work with companies, whether it's the marketer that I'm working with as a client and addressable identity or a publisher or any intermediary, and how often they don't know who their partners are <laughs> on any of their digital products on their pages, you name it. Um, and that actually, to me, comes back to uh, just due diligence you know, around those things. So that, that, that's how I describe how best to manage the supply chain on that part. And what are you most excited about in the industry right now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, for me, because of, of the sustainable journalism work that I've been doing, um, I'm excited about how journalism publishers have an opportunity with identity, addressability, in some cases, regulatory compliance, um, being able to take back a little bit of control of what's going on in their network. 
Very uh, cool. For, for me, that's actually pretty important. And in terms of like some of the topics we like to talk about on this podcast, what are your thought process on how brands can establish their perception in market and be authentic and consistent in the ever-changing world we're in? I know it's a little different than your typical use case, but what's your take on on how that works? So let me, I'll, I'll describe what I'm working on it with NewsPass ID for local news in the U.S. We've ha- we have newspapers, local television all across the country aggregated in an ad network, and I can't tell you how pervasive our ability to target multicultural zip codes is with publications. And so with the brand who wants to really, really reach diverse audiences, you have to go where those audiences, not just live digitally, but live physically. And so within this ad network I've, I've put together for local news, uh, one of the elements here and I presented to a number of different marketers the last couple of days is that you can reach these diverse audiences that you're seeking, but you have to think of it in terms of uh, the easy button a little bit becomes a little bit harder when you're talking about local media. And, you know, if they can go just that extra step, they're able to actually reach those diverse, whether it's socioeconomic diversity, racial diversity, uh, you name it, uh, the reach that we have, I would argue is a little bit uh, unique and unparalleled compared to some of the larger platforms. And that's what my message to brand market. And do you think the problem is with that is that people lean in with cash and then they can't actually deliver on it? And it's kind of setting back the supply chain problem that's actually going on. As far as uh, the mark, the buy side leaning cash, you know, it's interesting. I do think that um, clearly there is probably some spend that occurs at, at the end of a month. You know, whoever your buyer is, or some spend that says, "Hey, look, we just got to shove this thing out the door," and therefore we're end up funding some things that we shouldn't be funding. Okay, and I obviously have been uh, from a supply chain controls perspective. I'm exceptionally concerned about how much money is still going to areas that are just dark. We don't know. We can't. ET and the verification signals don't phone home. And that actually happens a lot. So a lot of my other side of my work here is malvertising and malware and ad fraud and piracy. And I still see a lot of brand dollars going to areas that it shouldn't be going. However, there are solutions for these things. And so we're working through these solutions, but I still think that we're, there's a long, still a long way to go. Interesting. And in terms of, you don't have to name partners or tools. Uh, what are some of the the data sources that are coming out that you like in the industry right now? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Here's what I know about the difference between like ad fraud on desktop versus CTV versus in-app. Everyone talks about how some cases ad fraud on CTV is relatively low. And maybe desktop is a little bit higher. Well, that could be an occurrence of the fact that we are more mature in measurement of desktop. So those numbers on desktop might be more accurate. The numbers that I'm hearing floated around working with verification vendors is we only really probably understand 25% of what's going on on CTV from the buy side of things because of how complicated sometimes CTV is. That comes back to know your partner. And... And I do think that we have a lot of room for improvement around these types of distribution channels uh, and emerging areas like CTV. Very interesting. Do you, and in terms of like places that you think are great groups to be a part of, what yeah. are some of the what are some of the groups you like to be in well, that are helping you learn, coach? I know you've been doing a lot of work this week here at, at Safety Week. So what's what's well, been some of that? I mean, obviously coming out and, and establishing the Abbey Tech Lab and, and the work that. Uh, Tony Katzer and the team still does there is just phenomenal. I love I love how they've grown the tech lab, um, you know, since its inception. Um, 
you know, obviously engaging from a technical perspective there for anybody in the supply chain is very helpful. Um, I will say that um, I've done a lot of work for the Trustworthy Accountability Group. And the programs there continue to mature and mature and mature to the point where they're including folks outside of our industry. And I don't think people really appreciate that from the outside, looking into the advertising industry, the InfoSec security, cybersecurity industry, they look at us as like this little island in the that they don't necessarily want to get involved in because it's kind of a wild west. The reality is we do have better structures than most people I think appreciate and get engaged in. So TAG, Trustworthy Accountability Group is one. I presented this week to the Global Alliance for Responsible Media. If you're on the buy side, um, they're having strong conversations around disinformation versus real information. I'm obviously representing news publishers on the real information side, um, but I do think that they're creating a, a just a crap ton of awareness towards misinformation and, and, and good information at the same time and how to, how to go about uh, executing their campaigns and buys with journalism in your in your personal life um how do you make your own decisions now on buying what's typically what drives you is it influencers is it what other people tell you is it just scott's brain where, where how, do, how do you make your buying decisions today so i inherently is maybe this is the entrepreneur in me uh <laughs> as am a little bit of a um oh i don't know uh, a conspiracy theorist and and a little bit of a <laughs> have a little bit of agitation with me. So I tend to take things with a very conservative approach. So when I'm advising marketer clients, when it comes to identity, uh, addressability, um, their campaigns, um, I always take a much more conservative approach and say, let's just be careful and validate the supply path by which we are actually executing things on, that the identity relationships is privacy friendly. Privacy compliance is still a new thing, especially with California coming out. Uh, with with um, with the new laws and CPRA, but when I advise my marketer clients and I advise the the, the holding companies out there and the brand, and the agencies, it's I just tend to take a very conservative approach without scales the equation. It's a controls thing for me more than anything. That's how I think about buying. Got you. But what about you personally? How does Scott make his own buying decisions? Oh, how, when I'm when I'm when you're doing it, you have kids, you got your family. That's true. How are you typically thinking about making your decisions today? You know, I will say that my kids tend to get what they need, but they earn their own money okay. through painting or whatever if they want to go to the mall and stuff. What I pay for, for me, is experiences for them, right? I'm going to the World Cup. I'm going to the World Cup, Women's World Cup next year, the Men's World Cup this year. So one of the buying decisions I make is what, obviously, is surrounded by my family uh, is largely based on the experiences that we that, that we can provide them versus just stuff. So right? you're big on certain moments that will be remembered forever. Exactly. And are most of those centered around what? Sports, around events, around music, around... And I know you just went through a pretty catastrophic moment in Denver with, yeah. your, with the fire. So like, yeah. how do you typically think about big moments and how those play into your life? So... I've always done, I, I think I've always done the big moment stuff with our family for uh, pretty well. We went to the Women's World Cup in 2019. But yeah, I mean, I live right there in Boulder County and, and when the fires came through, um, it was damn close. It was damn close to like like burning everything. And frankly, we, we lost a lot uh, even when we were robbed after, you know, we were evacuated. Uh, so we lost a lot of personal things. However, there's two boxes in my home and I didn't evacuate with those. And my wife got really pissed off at me about it. <laughs> 
But there's two boxes. But it of worked like, out. Yeah, but it worked out. But of like the clay pottery shit, the the paintings the kids made, and if you think about it, all the just the stuff and the crap that you own, it's really that stuff, the photos and the little artwork things that matters. Everything else, the furniture, the TVs, computers, except for maybe the hard drive with some financials. But I had that with me. But everything else is just stuff. And <laughs> and I'm I'm fortunate enough having to wear a journalism cap in my career. So I've covered Katrina. I was embedded with FEMA. FEMA. I've seen destruction firsthand. And I've and I've you know had to come close to my own home. Uh, and we had a lot of damage ourselves. But at the end of the day, there are just a few things there that really matter. Everything else for me is just stuff that can be replaced. And back to more of the work topic outside of yourself. Last question I would think about is how would you advise companies? Because I know you do this all the time, right? How would you advise companies that don't have the financial resources to get approved by all these, all these different vendors that they you need to look good to, to actually put, build a structure that would get approved when they get to that financial ability? So, are you talking about when it comes to I need this solution? I'm not going to ever get it through procurement or anything like that internally. I'm talking about also like. The ability for MRC to accredit you, things like oh. this that are are out there. They're, I mean, they're they're so expensive, right? So, so yeah. companies today that are, are starving for cash, they're not going to just go out there and get themselves approved by everything, right? But they want to they want to be in a position when they when they're looking to do that. How, what would you recommend companies do today? So I, I know it's a big piece of your business. It is Cunningham Tech. We we do work with a lot of companies who are looking at compliance, right? And I've got one client uh, I'm happy to announce uh, or say is iSpot because uh, they're listed as uh, an MRC in process and I'm working through their accreditation. Um, and that's fantastic. I've had other companies approach me and say the long-term uh, outlook on our accreditation path or our financial capability is not there. There are alternatives depending on where you sit in the supply chain, TAG, IB Tech Lab, different certifications. There are many ways you can creatively go about having third-party validation against your solution, your process, and your compliance to certain measurement and or ad delivery functions. MRC is not the only one. So do you recommend companies having an internal person who does this as an expert or using consultancies at this point? So I know it's a huge conversation for companies right now. So here, here's what happens. Somebody will hire me, and compliance across the board is... is somewhat of a, it's becoming increasingly difficult for companies. And, and that's not a bad thing. You know, you want that friction. It, it shows and it demonstrates as a, as a private sector company that you're in good standing. I do recommend, depending on the size of the company, that at some point your scale, your reach in the market ahead of trust that establishes the, the uh, ability to navigate the certifications, to navigate and work with clients. I mean, look at the, glow, look at the, uh, the uh, agency holding companies. They all have brand safety teams. You probably entered, they're all here, <laughs> right? And obviously their teams are, are uh, really symbolic of how much is required of them as buyers with marketer dollars. I think every company out there needs to have a quote, air quote, compliance officer even if it's somebody from the product team who represents that company within the working groups and compliance structures for TAG, the IAB, the MRC. But again, depending on the size of the company is really gonna depend on the investment you do make and because frankly, your product portfolio becomes more complicated as well, right? Very, very interesting. Well, thank you, Scott, for joining us today. A lot of fun. You know, obviously, I could talk to you anytime, so. Yeah, we could probably gap forever, we, man. We'll, we'll probably great. be here. Uh, 
we'll probably come back again, the two of us, and, and have another conversation. Thank yes. you for joining me today. Yeah, I'm breaking absolutely. through the mayhem. Cool. Thanks, Adam. Hi, I'm Joe, one of the producers for Sightly's Breaking Through the Mayhem podcast. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. If you want to learn more about the guests we had on today, we included additional information about them in the show notes. Finally, if you'd like to be on the podcast or if you know someone that would make a great fit, you can fill out the form at sightly.com forward slash podcast. We hope you have a great day.